The Syracuse Sports Podcast is presented by our friends at the Bill Rap Superstore. Oh, Brian and Bruce, the whole crew over there at the Bill Rap Superstore, they're in Sweet 16 Afterglow. Just loving the fact that the Orange made that deep run in the tournament. And those diehard Syracuse fans, they've kept our community driving for more than 60 years. You know why? Because they've got great deals on new and pre-owned vehicles. Now, they can't guarantee that every new vehicle comes in orange, but they do guarantee 100% satisfaction. So bleed orange, get over there, and save a little green at the Bill Rapp Superstore where you always get a great deal, and it's always the smart choice. Make sure you shop online at BillRapp.com. So this week on the Syracuse Sports Podcast, I had the opportunity to sit down with Brianna Stewart, of course, a former Cicero North Syracuse star, former UConn Husky star, one of the best basketball players on the planet, period. Brianna was home for a few days. Her season in China just ended. She's about to start up training camp soon with the Seattle Storm in her third season in the WNBA, but uh, she was taking a little breather at home and took a little time to have a conversation, and we covered a lot of ground. We talked about what it was like in China. We talked about the Seattle Storm in her upcoming season, the reaction to her Me Too article that she put out a few months ago. We also discussed athletes and social issues. Uh, Suffice it to say, Brianna's not going to shut up and dribble, as a certain uh, conservative commentator who will go unnamed here wants athletes to do. I think you'll enjoy this conversation and a little look into what Brianna Stewart's up to these days. So that's coming up. It's also going to be interesting with everybody in Syracuse basketball decompression mode. The things that we'll be discussing here on the podcast and covering. Syracuse lacrosse has had an up and down season so far. They have been a really interesting team to follow. The Syracuse Crunch have already clinched a playoff berth, are on track for one of the best regular seasons they've ever had, and I'm praying to the hockey gods that the Syracuse Crunch and the Utica Comets match up in a playoff series because that would be off the charts. Opening day at NBT Bank Stadium is just around the corner. The Syracuse Chiefs will be playing baseball soon. The NFL Draft is coming up. Not only the intrigue of what the Buffalo Bills, the New York Jets, the New York Giants will do, all teams that have top 12 picks, but will Syracuse players like Steve Ishmael and Zaire Franklin get selected in the draft? So those are all things we'll be covering in the weeks to come. Without further ado, though, let's jump right in. Here's my conversation with Brianna Stewart. So we are here with Brianna Stewart, who is home for a few days. Right. That's got to be nice. Yeah, it's definitely different. You know, I'm not used to being home for consecutive days for almost a week. What's the biggest difference between Shanghai and, and North Syracuse? <laughs> um, uh, you know, the biggest difference, I would say, is I can understand most of the people that I'm talking to. Yeah, what's that like? I mean, you're playing pro basketball in China yeah. and just came off that season. There's so much we could cover there, but I'll just kind of keep it generic. What's it like to play in China? You know, to play in Shanghai, to play in China, it was my second year there, second year with the same team. And, you know, from year one to year two, I could definitely tell that there was a lot more that I was comfortable with. You know, when I went there my first year, I had no idea. You know, I have no idea about the language. I have no idea about the food, anything like that. And then this year I go back and it's kind of like, Oh, I know how to get around. I know how to like say the key words. Like I know how to kind of get my point across um, and understand what my teammates are saying and that type of thing. And you know, I just enjoyed it. You know, being in Shanghai is the best city to be in in China. And anytime you're overseas like that, it's an experience, and you gotta make the best out of it. How much Chinese do you know? You know, I 
I feel like I know a little bit of Chinese. Like, I, I'll notice myself saying something. Like, when my mom, like, if she'll give me something, I'll say shishi. And that's thank you. Oh, okay. You know? And, like, sometimes I'll just say thank you in Chinese because I've said it so, so often when I was over there for the past five, six months that it's, like, second nature. There you go. So mm-hmm. it's kind of seeping in being mm-hmm. over there. Yeah. When we were talking a little bit before we started recording, I didn't realize how long that season is. That's uh, yeah. a pretty long season. So to be away from home that often and be in a professional league like that. You mentioned this is the second time around. Right. So what's what's the process like to, to really make it through mm-hmm. a long season like that, especially being overseas? Yeah, well, honestly, for women's basketball, China's the shortest season for overseas. Like if you go to Russia or Turkey or anywhere in Europe, you're there for seven months maybe. Okay. Um, but like like you said, six months is still long. That's like, a, it's long a long time. Run, yeah. And, you know, I think that when you have a lot of games, we played like four times a week, three, four times a week, that it makes it go by a lot faster. I made sure that my dad came out for Thanksgiving, my mom and my brother came out for Christmas. And just kind of breaking it up like that way. You know, you look forward to when the people come out or, you know, if there's like big events that you can go to. I'm trying to think. Um, I wanted to catch the global games this year, but I didn't. I missed it. I actually came later. But the the previous year I saw – Rockets, Pelicans, you know, so so that type of thing, you know, that's the luxury of being in a city like Shanghai. A lot of stuff is going on. What's it, you know, there's not a lot of people that get the experience to go to China. More and more are certainly doing it now. But right. what's the best way you can describe kind of the culture of China and how mm-hmm. they've, they've shifted, you know, being a communist country in right. the last 20 years? And yeah. Is it more Americanized? Is that the best way you can describe it? Yeah, I mean... China is definitely more more westernized, and I think that especially in Shanghai, you see that the most because I would say that's the city that's um, trying to westernize themselves the most. You know, some of the other cities like Beijing. Beijing is a pretty uh, traditional Chinese city, you know, especially because of, you know, the uh, Tiananmen Square, the Great Wall, all that other stuff. It's kind of more of like an older city. Um but, you know, still, some things you see, like, it's like you'll see someone driving down the street on, like, this bicycle that's all, like, rusted, and it has, like, a thousand things on the back of it, wow. but then they have an iPhone, you know? So it's like, <laughs> right. it's like yeah. a mix. It's like the best of both worlds, I guess. Uh-huh. I don't know. Now... When you're, let's circle back a little bit here. When when you do get to come home and, right. and get a little breather here, what is something like you absolutely have to do, no matter how long you're home? Does mom have to cook you something? There's somewhere you got to go. Like, what what are the things like? Okay, I'm um, home. These things have to be done. Honestly, you know, I think when I'm home, the thing that I do the most is just like hang out. You know, try and just be around my house. And you know, when I when I look back to what I've done this week, I've worked out. I've been here. I've hung out with my mom, my dad, and my brother. Um, and then my friends, like the friends that I have that are still in Syracuse, they'll come over. And I don't do anything too crazy. You know, we're having a little party here tonight. Uh, my mom is going to make chicken riggies. Oh, there you which go. Which I like. She was like, what should we have? Should I order pizza? I was like, no, we need to have chicken riggies. People can, like, create your own salad and, like, some other thing. Because then we're going to have dessert later. Is that your favorite? Yeah. Okay, exactly. I've got a good chicken Ricky's recipe. Just saying. Maybe, I mean, I mean, maybe you, I maybe you guys need to have like a little yeah. showdown. I would be good. Little cooking showdown. Uh-huh. Okay, we'll, we'll have to bank that for later. Yeah. So uh, you are home for a few days, but then after this, you're going to be heading off to Columbus. 
uh, for the final four. And we were kind of joking a little bit, you know, it would have been nice if it were somewhere warmer, you right. know, like San Antonio, yeah. for example, yeah, where definitely. the men are, are. But boy, this is the 19th final four Isn't for UConn, 11 straight for Gino Ariema in the squad. And this one's got a little, little more juice to uh-huh. it, right? Yeah. Especially after what happened last year. You it, must be looking forward to this UConn-Mississippi State game. It, it, um, it definitely has a little bit more juice. And I think that, you know, just seeing how this team – you know, those juniors, now seniors, have responded to, to what happened last year. And, you know, they're doing their best to make sure it doesn't happen again this year. You know, they're coming to Columbus with a lot of vengeance to fix what happened last year. How would you best describe this particular UConn team? And I was looking it up a little bit. And, mm-hmm. and you know, they're the number one offensive team, number one defensive team. It always seems, you know, Gino not only has the best players, but, you know, the best shooters. Right. And really, it, it's on that. If, if UConn's having a bad mm-hmm. day, it's just they, they weren't shooting the ball right. well. Would you describe that that's how this team is as well? Uh, definitely. You know, definitely. And I think that just the way that they've really grown together, you know, Last year, the Final Four, it was kind of like their first Final Four where, like, everything was on them. You know what I'm saying? You know, myself, Morgan, Mariah, those the ones before, we kind of were like, all right, these are the ropes, this is how you do it, and that type of thing. And then when it got to them, it was kind of like, bang. Uh, and now they know. You know, now they know that if someone's having a bad night, somebody else has to step up, and whether it's the bench, one of the starters – um, you need everyone down the stretch. How have you found it to be, you know, when you were playing and you would look up to former UConn players right. that would be around the program or come mm-hmm. back or just names that you knew right. and would see? That's you now. Yeah, when you come back and they're looking up to you, mm-hmm. you know. You're not that old. Uh, yeah. What's it like to, to be that person now, to be the player that is the big alum and in the WNBA yeah. and, and the players look up to you? You know, it's, um, it's a great feeling. And especially, you know, having – four people on the team that I played with uh, when I was still at UConn. Uh, it's exciting to see them having so much success, to see them grow. And, you know, I'm just really proud and happy for them. And I think that any time that I come back, I went to the game in Albany where they beat South Carolina. And, um, you know, they were just excited to see me. And, and as was I, you know, you haven't seen them in a while. And two years prior, you're doing everything with them. You know, you're practicing, you're lifting, you're – class like everything and then due to the fact that our our pro season is kind of like bang bang between WNBA and overseas you don't have that time to to really see them like I did before when you get asked if it's by a a player at UConn or you know somebody who lives on your street right I I would imagine you get asked a lot of advice about basketball do you have something that you you like to lean on or do you kind of take it on a case-by-case basis um honestly like for me I think that Basketball is pretty simple. Um, obviously, there's a lot of like complex things within it, but the idea behind it, like I was just talking to one of my cousins. I don't even know. He's in eighth grade, eighth grade teams. And it's like, you know, you have to tell him, like, listen, you're not going to be great at something right away. Like, you can't expect to, like, shoot a shot twice and then be amazing at it. Like, everything comes with work. You know, you have to work hard. You have to be willing to put it put the work in to to be better and I was like even if that's any other sport homework music whatever it is you know you have to work at it and then at the same time you have to have the the mental toughness to be like 
all right, I'm going to come in this gym and I'm going to get a great workout. I don't care how many times I lose the ball. I'm going to make sure that when I leave, I did everything I wanted. And I think that's the biggest thing is just, you know, the game is like 90% mental. And and being able to really have that that toughness to to tell yourself, I'm going to knock down this big shot or making sure you're ready to, to play in the game, making sure you're ready to dominate and that type of thing. And I think that sometimes young kids, they just think that, you know, I can put my shoes on and I'm ready to go. And, you know, it's a little bit more preparing than that. I'm going to have my daughter listen to this because she's in dance right now. And I think sometimes she thinks that and, she, and playing her flute, too. Right. Like, she, I can go practice for 15 minutes right. and I'm going to be in an orchestra. Right. It's like, no, you kind of, you got to do it a little bit more. So I'm glad yeah. I got this on tape from somebody other than me so she can listen to this. So uh, you have a little downtime right now. Yeah. Uh, but before we know it, you're going to be right back in training camp and uh, your third season with Seattle is going to begin soon. What are kind of some of the things you're thinking ahead of, of your third year in the WNBA? So maybe some goals you have, mm-hmm. not only team-wise, but right. individually. Well, I think, you know, one of my goals is um, last year I actually left China early and I got hurt. Um, and I hurt my knee. And it took me a little while to get back into the playing of things with the WNBA because I didn't have much time. To like rehab and recover and and really like ramp up. Uh, so now I just want to make sure that this year, like I'm really ready to go. I'm making sure I'm taking care of my body, doing all types of uh, different workouts, and um, you know, it's year three. You know, I'm not a rookie. I'm not a young. I'm not a young young buck. Um, I played with most of these players for a long time, even before college or before the WNBA, excuse me. And you know, we have goals. With the storm, you know, we want to win a championship and, you know, it's something that we need to go get instead of just waiting for it to come to us. You mentioned what it's like to live in Shanghai. Uh, we mentioned what it's like to live in Syracuse. Uh, the third S on the list, right? Seattle. What's, how do you like Seattle? You know, one thing I noticed, I was like, why do I go everywhere with an S? <laughs> Syracuse, stores, Sh- Seattle, Shanghai. Forgot stores. Uh-huh. There you go. I don't know. How about that? I'm wow. like, that's kind of... That's kind of that's very interesting. It um, sure is. You know, but Seattle's a great city, and I never went there before I got drafted because I mean we're on the East Coast. Seattle's far from here. It rains a lot. Yeah, yeah we've, heard, we've heard about it. They made a movie about it once. Right. Tom Hanks, made right. Ryan, right? Great yeah. movie. Um, but you know what? Like, it's a beautiful city. Um, I actually live downtown by Pike Place Market, and. You know, to be able to be in a city and kind of have that city living, but then knowing, like, if I drive 20, 30 minutes, like, I can go hike a mountain. Um, and then especially in the spring and summer, the WMA seasons, it's beautiful. It doesn't rain that much. Uh, and honestly, the fans in Seattle, like, it doesn't matter what sport it is. They're, like, invested. You know, whether it's the Sounders, the Rain, the Mariners, the Seahawks, the Storm. They're, like, ready to go. You know, they're ready to, to watch some sports and, and really cheer on the city. I saw on one of your Instagram posts lately, yeah, the Sonics yeah, shirt on. The jacket. Like they, they miss that team. Oh, my Seattle. gosh. So that kind of that passion funnels there, certainly, uh-huh. to, to the storm. And it's interesting. I just saw that they did a season ticket drive for a hockey team, and they yeah. sold like 20,000 seats. Yeah, yeah, we're getting a hockey team 20... I think next season. Next yeah, coming season, up soon, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I think... There's a lot of they're renovating Key Arena next year in hopes of bringing back uh, an NBA team. Uh, so we have a lot of good things to come in Seattle. I mean, if you have every single sport 
that's that's kind of a big deal. Yeah, that's big time. Yeah. Let me ask you about um, the whole. I'll phrase it this way: Stick to sports, yeah. right? Athletes <laughs> more than ever right. are speaking out, mm-hmm. and they have the forum to do so. Right. If it's social media or whatever uh, forum you did, uh, Players Tribune, which right. you wrote an article, of course, on. So you know what's what's kind of your approach with that? You've certainly been uh, willing to speak out on certain mm-hmm. issues that you're passionate about, and right. I think you know when you do that, there's half the people are going to agree, half the people right. are going to disagree, and you kind of prepare yourself for that. Yeah. How do you pick what issues you want to stand up for and using your forum to speak out about this? Um, you know, it's not like we just like stick our hand in a fishbowl and like, <laughs> I like this one. You know? it's, your, gonna, it's your turn for this. Right. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just things that really hit close to home. And, you know, when I look back to like uh, the ESPYs, my ESPY speech, which was two years ago mm-hmm. and and that type of thing, you know. Uh, I'm a female athlete, you know, I'm, I'm in the sports world and it's like, you know, we're striving towards, towards equality and it's, it's not only pay, but it's like viewership, media, spotlight, that type of thing. And it's like, you know, why wouldn't we, you know, we're trying to like pave the way for the ones behind us. We want to make sure that maybe it won't be in my career, but someone else's career that things are going to be better. Things are going to continue to get better. And I think we're in a world now where it's like I'm speaking for people who don't have a don't have a voice. You know, I use my platform because not everyone does. And, you know, some people don't like it. But the reason why you keep doing it is because the people that come up to you and are like, thank you for saying what you did. You know, thank you for using your voice because mine doesn't go as far. It seems like it's very easy on Twitter, social media, whatever the case may be, to get the negative reaction. But yep. do you find in person it's yeah. much more positive? Yeah. I mean, I would. I I don't think I've ever had anyone come up to me and were like, "Why did you say that? You know, why were you at LAX for the protests? You know, why were you?" Um, because you know, it's a lot easier to say to say mean things behind a computer or behind a phone. Um, not to say that people don't do it in person, but. You find that in person, a lot more people are like, hey, thank you. So you are not following the advice of conservative commentator Laura Ingram to shut up and dribble, is what you're saying. No, I mean, uh, she, I think maybe she might regret her comments at this point. But I think we're in a world like, this is 2018. Like, this isn't 1970. Like, when it was like, why are you talking about something other than baseball or basketball? It's like, we live in this world, too. Like, we're here, and the same things that are, are happening to my mom at her job, for example, are the same things that are happening to me in my profession. You know, we're both, we're both um, females in, in the occupational world. And, I mean, <clears throat> like I said, you know, we're using our platform. We've we've got a viewership, and fifty of the fifty percent of the people like what we say. Fifty percent of the people don't, but it doesn't matter. But it's at like, the same time, do you feel you're making some progress? Oh, people def- are, yeah, are, yeah. Are kind of accepting it more, like look, you know, like you said, they live in this world too. They're going to speak out about right. it, and if you don't like it, you know, you have various ways to ignore it. Right. But you're you're also inspiring another mm-hmm. generation. This I'm really struck. I'm not that old. Brianna, I'm, I'm only 39, but I'm struck by your generation and my daughter's yeah. generation. My daughter's 11. 
how wired in they are and how mm-hmm. aware they are of social yeah. issues and using and not being afraid to speak up. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's people like you and, and the athletes that are out there that are, are telling them it's okay to do that. Yeah. It's okay to, to care about this world, no and matter I, what your, your, your status yeah, is. Yeah, and I think it's, you know, it's, it's kind of sad. I was talking to my mom the other day, like, in light of so many events that have happened in this country in the past few years, like, we were in New York for St. Pat- Patrick's Day. We, I wasn't going to New York for St. Patrick's Day, but it just happened to be the same weekend. Um, and it's like, you know, I'm walking down the street, and I'm like, you know what? I have to, like, be a little bit more on edge when there's millions of people here to watch the parade and that type of thing. Like, you have to think about this stuff now. So it's like, yeah, I'm a great basketball player, but, yeah, I'm still thinking about the same thing as everybody else. Um, and I think that's just how you go about it, you know? Not going to shut up and dribble. Sorry, Laura. Right, We're not going to shut up and dribble here. Um, so back in October, you, you put out your article on the Players' Tribune. Right. And it's interesting because at that time, you were in China. Yeah. Now, we're a connected world for your social media and everything, but how did you gauge the reaction to that being you know, on the other side mm-hmm. of the world? What was it like to, to see that? Or did, did you experience it at all because of that? No, I, I, um, I definitely experienced the reaction. And, you know, doing it in China, I wouldn't say it was like pre-planned, but it was kind of like, okay, in light of all the, the Me Too things, you know, I have a story and I want to put it out there. And just it was just about finding the time that was right to do that. And um, following Michaela Maroney and that type of thing, I was like, you know what? My story will help people too. And it was easier for me to release it in China because I was away from all the media and that type of thing. And when I did actually release the article, I was nervous because like we talked about 50% of people are going to be against you 50% of the people are going to be with you but to my surprise you know all the feedback that I got was positive you know everybody was like wow like in support of me and and you know people commented that they had similar situations and that type of thing and um you know the thing about it was I didn't release it. I didn't release the story for me. You know, I don't need people to know my whole world, my whole life, and that type of thing. But if it will help save someone else's life, then I'm gonna do it. And there could be more to come on this. I'm yeah. just gonna kind of leave it at that. Mm-hmm. There's uh, stay tuned, right. as stay, we say. Stay tuned. Stay yeah. tuned, as we say in the in the media business. Uh, much more to come on that. But thank you for uh, responding to that. Uh, on a, on a different response, uh, I always find it curious when. We, we'll write articles on Syracuse.com or I'll talk about it on the radio or someplace mm-hmm. about you or Mike Hart or Greg Paulus or a local athlete. Right. And it, there's always, not to address a minority, but there's always somebody like, well, why didn't they stay in mm-hmm. Syracuse? Right. So I just want to give you the floor to say, okay, you know, how dare you yeah. uh, leave the, this, this great community of ours. But have people said that to you? And, and, and what would your response be to that? Well, I think a lot of people have said it to me on social media. You know, that's the big thing. Um, and especially in light of uh, the men, you know, going to the Sweet 16, I was tweeting a lot. I was watching a lot of their games. You know, people knew that I was watching. And it's like, I went to UConn. So people are like, why are you watching Syracuse? Like, that's our rival. And I was like, well, that was the rival when it was Big East. And I was like, but, you know, I'm from Syracuse. And the six-overtime game, I was cheering for Syracuse. Yeah. You know, that type of thing. Yeah. Um, But... You know, I could have gone to Syracuse, sure, but I thought <clears throat> I wanted to go to to the program where um, I would be pushed to be the best player I could be, 
and you know coach Ariyama due to all the players that he's had go through there and what he's made out of them I knew that that was going to be the right right spot for me and uh, I don't think I made the wrong decision. No, I don't think so. I think you made the right call <laughs> yeah, on that. Now, that being said, it's interesting. When the Worlds collided a couple of years ago, UConn played uh-huh. Syracuse yep. in the national championship game. So it shows what Coach Q has done with that program oh, and the sure. build-up there. I just wanted to ask you about that, what you think about what he's doing and, and where that program stands now. I mean, he's definitely done a great job with that program. The fact that, like you said, uh, we played them in the final game of my senior year, which was kind of fitting just because – like you said, like you said, I'm I'm from here, and that type of thing. But Coach Q has done a great job, you know, making sure he's he's getting top players and then continuing to develop them and and teaching them how to win. You know, teaching them how to get better every single year. And I think that um, this year they didn't do as good as they wanted to. But I've been at the Mellow Center a couple times uh, this week and just talking with some of them. Uh, they're excited for what's to come next year. And we'll end on this note. You mentioned you were following the Orange, yep. the men's team, and they make this run to the Sweet 16. It's always amazing how the teams you don't expect to do big things uh-huh. under Jim Beheim end up in Sweet 16s mm-hmm. and Final Fours. What would you think of how that team took everything they had, just seven scholarship players, yeah. and a few of them you know, on fumes, basically, right. with the injuries and, and everything they had? What do you think of their run to the Sweet 16? You know, I thought it was amazing, and I think that, you know, We've all watched Coach Beheim for however many years, and it seems like he can always make something work. You know, like you said, seven scholarship players, and he was able to to figure out a way to get them to to really be invested, to buy in, and you know, to make a strong push when they needed it. You know, they they had the playing game, and then they made it all the way to the Sweet Sixteen, and and honestly, you know, their region was tough. With Michigan State, Kansas, Nova, or no, excuse me, not Nova, Duke, um, those are all number one teams in the country at some point this year. Uh, Michigan State in Detroit too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they. I think they did a great job, and I think I I saw Coach Beheim too the other day, and and he knows that he knows like they exceeded their expectations i don't know if you want to say it like that but they did really well and you know they should keep their heads up and especially you know having that experience for those guys and the class that they have coming in next year's going to be even more fun brianna stewart thanks for joining us here on the syracuse sports podcast thank you thanks for listening to the syracuse sports podcast don't forget that you can subscribe on itunes and google play to have new episodes sent right to your iPhone, iPad, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Brent Dax. We'll talk to you next time.